Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast, pre-signing day edition. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunts. And uh, after months of not much action, Nebraska's recruiting class starting to take shape just before early signing day. Gentlemen, what do you attribute all of this excitement and recruiting battle wins to? We'll start with you, Brunts. It's it's getting whiplashy. It's like one every six hours after... uh... You know, not really having much going on since what August. So uh, it's it's been hot and heavy. Um, the the hype is real and it's spectacular. So uh, yeah, that's all the Seinfeld references I've got to give. I, I was thinking of Seinfeld when you said hot and heavy. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Elaine and the saxophone player, right? Yeah, yeah. I I was actually thinking of almost famous and the it's all happening when they're they always say it's all happening excited like I that's that's how it's felt to me the last week. But uh, definitely uh, I I don't know. I think it's been building to this. Uh, you kind of knew that it was going to be a wild crazy ride, and uh, I it you know Nebraska's Nebraska's nailing it right now. Let's see if they can finish it. I, I like yeah. the, I, I like the cockiness of the staff too. They know they know they're on a heater right now, and uh, they they've got the just wait or like stay tuned tweets going. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's kind of a, a fun you know last couple of days here. They they they're rolling a hot hand at the craps table right now. I was gonna say, I mean, my experience with a heater is normally a blackjack, and then they change out the dealer, and I'm a little bit gun shy to. To continue to put the money out there there's no dealer change coming is there uh i don't think so um but you know you, you want to avoid a seven i think um <laughs> but you, you got to be smart though when they switch the dealer you, you got to get up you got to move i see i don't i don't know if you have to move but man i i have to say that in the the blackjack experience i have where it's been successful that dealer change it's really like going to the bullpen and they're just matching up with you righty on righty. You got to throw a 98, just bringing it inside and you can't get the barrel around. And, but I just, I feel like I have to fight through it. And that's like the exact same thing that they want you to do. <laughs> that's how they've got you. The best casino talk I can bring is when I was just out of college, I was at a Maristar casino once watching a roulette. And, uh, I, I saw a man put, put his chips on red it was about 18 to 19 times in a row and it kept hitting red. And I, and that story is absolutely true. And I have multiple people that were there with me watching in amazement. People were like begging the man to pull his chips off and take his money. But he kept, he kept putting them down. I don't know what he walked away with. He finally did walk away, but that's what, that's my, uh, that's what I think of. So Nebraska's just got to keep it on red right now. So Nebraska is going to keep it on red and for them to, to keep it on red, and to keep getting the returns that they are, like Omar Manning and Keyshawn Green, setting up for an exciting finish here in Husker football territory. Let's go with some of the guys that have committed here recently. Omar Manning, let's start with you, Brian. What does a guy like Omar Manning mean to Nebraska on the offensive side of the ball in 2020 and to what they want to do on offense? Well, he just feels like a ready-made prospect. I mean, there's some of those guys where – Everything suggests that the day one they show up, they should be able to do something. We've seen a couple of those guys in recent time. I know Maurice Washington's a tr- been a troubled kid, but he was one of those talents where when he showed up, you're like, okay, he's going to get stuff done. I think there was kind of that feeling with Wandale 
Um, I'm not ready to put Omar Manning in the Wandale class because Wandale's resume in high school was about as incredible as you'll ever see. But I, I do think he's that type of product where, you know, a guy like Adrian Martinez sees him commit and uh, go, comes out of social media hiding uh, to post something about it because he knows that's that's an immediate weapon if he gets here as he's planning to do. Um, so that, I mean, he, he's he's an immediate game changer. That's at least the perception of him. Now he's got to back it up. Yeah, it, it's been, when was the last time you guys could think of uh, a junior college guy who showed up and you were just kind of like, oh, wow, like that, that's that's like a junior college like difference maker. Like it, I remember saying that like when Randy Gregory's first practice and he's out there on the practice field and you're like, okay, that looks like a guy that, you know, was worth fighting for that can help you right away. I, I'm expecting that with, Omar Manning uh, at 6'4", 225. Brian mentioned, uh, you know, you've got Adrian Martinez tweeting at him, even though uh, you know Adrian hadn't really tweeted since July. Um, so it's the big-bodied wide receiver. Nebraska finally landed their white whale uh, that, that multiple staffs have tried to bring in. Uh, it's, you know, a, a guy that, you know, we've talked about and we felt like Nebraska was in a great spot for for a long, long time, and he finally... Uh, pops on Friday night after Scott Frost goes through there. So um, a big win, and, and it kind of uh, you know really got the weekend off on, on a pretty good uh, note for Nebraska. That was a, a really big one for him. I think one of the unsung things about Omar Manning that it does is it allows Nebraska to develop behind him guys like Darian Chase. You know, you don't have as much pressure on a Darian Chase in his second year in the program as a redshirt freshman to have to go in and perform at a high level because you have now Omar Manning. And so you're going to need more than just Omar Manning. You're going to need other wide receivers that step up, but it does give a little bit of time for someone like Chase who could have a nice spring and be another option as an outside wide receiver, maybe behind Omar Manning on the depth chart or opposite of him uh, if J.D. Spielman slides into the slot role again. So I, I do think that it also enhances the other people that you have developing at this time and and it allows you to kind of see where you're at with Jamie Nance and with Demarion Houston and they can come along slower because part of the problem was when you didn't have wide receivers stepping up in in this past year when you were wondering about kind of I Noah and some of these other guys and it immediately became well where's Darian Chase where's Jamie Nance where's Demarion Houston so getting a little extra time to develop because you could have somebody like Omar Manning that can step in and I don't think he's going to be an immediate 1,000-yard receiver. I just don't. I think that if we haven't learned anything by this point, it's really hard to assume a guy's just going to have great production right off the bat. But if he has the kind of production that, say, Dedrick Mills did as a junior college running back that you just knew was going to be able to help this team, that's still going to help Nebraska win games next year, and I think that's very valuable. Let's the, move the, from – oh, go the, ahead. I was just say those much maligned swing passes to the outside will look a little bit different with the 6'4", 225 guy out there. I just have to say that, too. Yeah, blocking form. Yeah. Um, and those the much maligned running game will look a little bit better when you have a physical presence on the edge instead of getting you know, hammered with your, your wide receivers by safeties and other defensive backs. So it absolutely changes how Nebraska can look on the field if he gets here and if he lives up to the potential that he absolutely has. I mean, this was a guy that was an All-American as a high school wide receiver. So he's not some overnight 
you know, guy that dominated the JUCO ranks that doesn't have the pedigree. He's got all of it. And that's why I think there's a lot of excitement for him. I want to move from Omar Manning to Keyshawn Green because, and I, I wrote this in the thread after he committed, and, I, and Brunch, you've been covering it uh, for a long time. BC, you've been involved with recruiting for a while. To me, this was as surprising of a post-visit commitment as I could think of. I mean, there's been talented guys that have visited Nebraska and then took a few days and then made a decision. This is a guy that left campus and within 30 minutes was putting out there that he was committed to Nebraska. And frankly, you're talking about the fastest linebacker in the state of Florida and maybe the best linebacker in the state of Florida. What a win for Nebraska and their coaching staff. Brunts, what, what do you think of this Keyshawn Green win, and, and what can that do for someone like Eric Shenander, who's been a little, in my opinion, hamstrung with the, the pieces that he could work with on this defense? Yeah, I mean, it's you hit on the speed part of it. That's huge. Uh, you know, a guy that you can kind of depend on where he comes in weight-wise. I mean, he can he can get sideline to sideline. He can play in space. And I have to say, it was I agree with you. I mean, it was a, a surprise commitment for in terms of when it happened. I mean, I, I think Nebraska was a player in his recruitment, uh, maybe under the radar a little bit in some respects, but. Uh, you know, to, to go into Florida, pull a kid out like that, um, you know, that, that's a, that's a big win for Nebraska and especially at a position where, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of, uh, attention, uh, given and, and uh, you know, maybe haven't seen a, a guy be able to come in early in his career as a high school guy and contribute. So maybe Keyshawn Green, uh, can be that guy, but, uh, you know, in, in terms of speed and, and get up, he's a guy that you can imagine getting around the corner uh, pretty easily on his own without having to really scheme up a bunch of stuff uh, if you're Eric Tenander. I think we could argue when this is signed that this this was the biggest tilting point of the entire class when he committed on Sunday, early afternoon or morning, whenever it was, because everybody kind of knew Omar Manning was leaning toward Nebraska and thought something could happen there. Uh, this was one of those where for those who are just kind of following it from a distance and even those who followed up close, it was kind of like, oh, wow. And it, it kind of jolted you. And it felt like it changed to me kind of the way people are talking about this class. It, it sort of changed the perception of things just like that, like a snap of the finger. And we've seen this class go in, what, four days from 29th to 20th. And it's not just because of Keyshawn Green. But I think of all the additions this weekend, he was probably the largest just because of the surprise factor and what it does to the immediate, you know, way we talk about the class around here in the state. So I think it's a it's a big deal just from a perception standpoint for to start with. I, I do think that with Keyshawn Green, I don't have any expectation for him in the 2020 season. But what I like about it is that, again, Nebraska stacking up talent. Um, class to class. I mean, you look at the guys that they went and got in 2019 with, with Nick Henrich and Jackson Hanna and Garrett Snodgrass and Luke Reimer. And now you throw in somebody like Keyshawn Green with um, Etava Malga Clements. And I just, I love the way that they have built that class upon each other. And I think that's the kind of thing that we've seen them do at other positions like defensive back and offensive line. And you know, it's taken a while, and the, the product on the field hasn't been great. But you just keep, you know, you, if you believe in the recruiting thing at all, and if you believe that this staff can evaluate and that the services can evaluate, 
the way that they have added talent to key positions of need and have aggressively pursued key positions of need is exactly what you want out of a staff. And when, and I think it's when, the success follows, they're going to have a deep bench and a deep roster to work with because of the work that they put in through these two full cycles of 2019 and now 2020. Am I crazy on that thought, Brunks? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, th- this is the, the second full class, the third class overall with the staff. And I think there, there was certainly key areas where Nebraska was lacking, certainly lacking depth and, and definitely lacking a depth of talent. And, and you know, those outside linebacker positions is a, were a big one. You had to rebuild uh, the defensive line. You had to add offensive line depth. I mean, it it's taking time. I think these guys have done a nice job of, you know, e- even if you're you're not hearing a lot about Nebraska and, and involvement with a kid, they're they're doing the work and they've shown that, you know, once they can get on the road after the season's over, they're able to close these guys out. And and I, I think that, you know, it, it's important, especially with. Nebraska's roster where you you had three years of Mike Riley's staff that 2017 class is looking like almost a lost class at this point uh with with the guys that that uh or 16 excuse me that left um you know you you did need to kind of put these things together and and it's still that big if of of you know if and when they can put it together on the field it's going to take off but I, I think they've done a really nice job of continuing to evaluate I think you're seeing them catch up with their evaluations and, and getting in on guys early, and you're starting to see the results of that. What do you guys think of – oh, sorry, Brent. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say before I forget, because I know we're going to talk about the other guys that are in the class, but they're, they're, they're stacking some outside parts well, too. I mean, with the transfer of, like, Noradine, Newely, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I've never had to say it out loud. But the big old lineman from uh, Colorado State coming in, um, that's a kid when you talk to him, uh, he's got big ambitions and he's planning to be a part of the equation basically in the first week of January. He's expecting to be somebody who matters over there. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but uh, he's a nice piece to add. And then you had a piece, you know, today like uh, Isaac Gifford, and you know, you know, with those genes, what Luke did here, and he was had a really good Husker career and is in the NFL right now with the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty big deal when you can get a kid like that as a blue shirt guy, which is what he's going to be. Uh, when you kind of stack that on top of what else has happened, that that's that's what's added to the last few days. It's those it's those things, too, in addition to the the other guys we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the offensive line uh, with with newly or, or Noly, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right either. I think that addition is certainly going to be one to watch this spring. And then, you know, Gifford, we've talked about, I think, on this show before, at least amongst ourselves. He falls in that tweener role, but he's certainly a very good athlete. The pedigree is well known. And he's a guy that tested really well. So it it doesn't feel like a big risk for Nebraska to to go ahead and to get him in the fold going through the blue shirt route. And we'll see how that process plays out and where he ends up on the field. Two guys that we know where they're going to be on the field. Jamari Butler. Nico Cooper, two outside linebackers that committed to Nebraska, Cooper on Sunday night, Butler Monday at noon. What do you guys make of these two players that are very raw, but at six foot five, 220 pounds each, possess the frame and the athleticism that Nebraska certainly wants 
in their outside linebackers and future pass rushers. Brunts, we'll start with you. Yeah, the, the Butler one is more interesting to me, I think, because it's just another win for Nebraska in the state of Alabama. Um, you know, when this staff was at UCF, they recruited the heck out of that state. Um, Eric Chenander has a lot of connections down there. You've seen him pull Cam Taylor Britt out. Uh, Logan Smothers is in this class. Butler now. Um, Jimmy you know, Graham. Jimmy Graham. I, I think they've done a nice job of continuing to go in there and evaluate and find guys that fit what they want to do. He's got to add weight, obviously, but he seems like the perfect kind of uh, developmental prospect where you, you kind of redshirt and bring him in, add weight. He's got the speed and length. So I, I thought that was a big one. And, you know, a guy that had been committed to Tennessee, uh, TCU was interested. Um, and, and, you know, you, I wouldn't call him a sleeper by any means, but he, he seems like a guy that, um, you know, has that versatility depending on how much weight his frame can hold to, to play a couple of different spots. So I, I really liked that. And, uh, you know, we, uh, another example of Nebraska kind of getting in on a guy a little bit later or seeming to. Uh, and doing a nice job really closing that out. Yeah, I admit, I don't I don't know much about Nico Cooper. Um, three years to play, correct? Three years to play three. I mean, I like that. Um, but what, what Bruns is saying is on the money, though. They, they're, they're, both these guys are, they're just like good pieces of clay to work with. Like It's like you get these guys who are in that 6'3", 220, 225 category, who you see enough on film to tell you, okay, if we get that guy in our system and work with him for a year, he can be something. I don't know if either of these guys, you know, can be immediate help or not, but um, I think a year down the road or so, they could really help that depth at a, at a position that has just frankly uh, been sorely lacking in depth for a while now across the board, really on the second level. So I think that's what it's about as much as anything. It's like, Get the guys here who you know they have uh, a good base structure to work with, and uh, you've got some bodies now, and you, you put the ball out there, and then you can see who can actually ball at this level. I think that's what it comes down to. I think, to me, Jamari Butler is sort of the perfect example of a point that I tried to make in May, and I took a little bit of flack for, and certainly if Nebraska closes with Caden Johnson, I was just flat wrong. But at that time, I was trying to say that Nebraska's pass rushing isn't necessarily going to come from finding a five-star guy that they can get on campus and somehow beat everybody for in recruiting. And they're going to have great success with Caden Johnson and Blaze Gunnerson, two guys that are in the, the top 247 uh, in the country in terms of, of talent and then are great outside linebackers. But I look at Jamari Butler and, you know, a couple years from now, we're going to know about Nebraska's ability to develop a kid like this. And, and I think that when the Huskers are going to have success in this defense, it's going to be when they're able to reload with guys that leave. And it's because they have some guys like this that are, you know, been sitting in the system, been developing for two years and then really emerge on the scene. I mean, you look at the defenses that they're sort of modeled after in their three, four with similarities to Utah and to, to Wisconsin. It's the guys that they develop behind the scenes that when they get their opportunity that go and thrive, I mean, I think that Jamari Butler could be a really exciting player in a couple years. I know that his rating isn't going to make anybody go crazy. I know his offers that he has. He has a number of Power 5 offers, but they're not the kind of ones that make people expect a ton from a player like this. But I do think that from a peer development standpoint, 
a guy like this, a guy like Ronald Delancey, some other players like that, that's when you know the staff has the ability to not only evaluate but also develop when they're going to get the opportunity in a couple years to take over and really prove that Nebraska knew what it was doing by going out and plucking them out of places that are heavily recruited, like Alabama and Miami. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss guys that are still on Nebraska's board. I mentioned one of them in Caden Johnson. But there's other ones out there, too. And the Huskers' big finish could have just gotten started with the nice flurry of activity over the past weekend. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we are back. All right, gentlemen, you know the names. I know the names. Marcus Fleming, Jaden Francois, Miles Slusher, Caden Johnson. Where do you want to go first, Bruns? Who should we talk about? Uh, give me. Let's start in South Florida. Give me some. Give me some Fleming talk. Marcus <laughs> Fleming, the uh, wide receiver from Miami Northwestern, same school as Ronald Delancey, just won a third state title with Northwestern. Had 95 yards, I think, on seven catches and a touchdown in that game. A guy that's just an impressive athlete. He's one of the fastest players in the country. He's a, maybe the fastest player in the state of Florida, which is always saying something. And he's the guy that can do things when the ball's in his hand. And that's someone that we know Nebraska covets playmaking ability. We know they covet speed. And when they get an opportunity for a kid like this, they're certainly going to take it. And Marcus Fleming liked Nebraska enough. He decommitted from Miami during his official visit to Lincoln. He's gone to Georgia. He's gone to Florida State. Florida's in the mix. Maryland's in the mix. But I just like where Nebraska's sitting here for this wide receiver. And I think of these names that we're going to go through, I feel reasonably confident that Marcus Fleming is going to sign with Nebraska on Wednesday. So I I like their chances there. And then moving from Marcus Fleming to the other guy in South Florida, Jaden Francois, a lot harder to read. Miami's still very much involved in this one. The Hurricanes hosted him for an official visit on Saturday. And the word out of that official visit is they couldn't get a read as to whether they'd done enough to kind of pull him off of Nebraska leading. And so I think going into Wednesday, I still feel a little optimistic that Nebraska will end up with Francois. I like him a lot. Very heady defensive back, a very smart player, instinctive. Not the best athlete, not in the same way that Marcus Fleming is a 4-4 guy, but Jaden Francois does a nice job of putting himself in the right position, and that's how you come away with 12 interceptions as a junior in high school, and I just think he's one of those guys that can be a defensive eraser. He's maybe not someone that you're looking at from an athletic standpoint that's just going to completely wow you, but he's someone that's going to be in the spot and going to make the play 
like maybe that guy that might wow you because he's bigger, stronger, or faster. So I really like where Nebraska sits with both of those guys. What kind of additions do you think they could be to this class, Brian? Well, uh, first off, I love Jaden Francois's name. He sounds like he could be a really good safety and also a really good playwright or something like that. He, so I, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to be able to say that. So I hope he commits and is part of it. But, I mean, you're talking about a four-star kid here who, uh, what is it, head-to-head with Miami again? There's a, there's a few of those going on where it feels like Nebraska and Miami are kind of going after it a little bit in recruiting. And I think you're seeing the power of this staff in Florida still resonate. Um, They have not lost a touchdown there, nor the connections that they had with the success that they had at Central Florida. And, uh, I mean, last week I was talking with Taman Lynham, who's down there, about about committing to this staff. And uh, a big part of it was him still remembering what they did when they're at UCF. So that enough time has not passed that that does not matter yet. Um, so I, I, I just like the athletes they're going after. They're, they're those pieces of clay, again, that you can work with, and I think in a year or two you can really make something out of Mike, is, the, uh, is, is Caden Johnson, is, is he the big one you're going to be watching on Wednesday? I mean, I don't even know if I would call him the big one that I'd be watching on Wednesday because you're talking about a day in which Nebraska conceivably could end up with three or four more four-star players. So he's one of them. And he's the guy that we've talked about the most. He was the 1B to, to Omar Manning's 1A or vice versa when we were talking about top targets. And Caden Johnson would give Nebraska another pass-rushing force uh, as an outside linebacker and one that you think would move through the system a little bit quicker than either Jamari Butler or Nico Cooper. But he's a very good athlete. He's a guy that can get after the quarterback. He wants to play in a 3-4 defense. It's come down to Nebraska and Wisconsin. The recruitment there has been largely fascinating. Because Caden Johnson has been in no hurry. Wisconsin thought they had him committed in June. Wisconsin thought they had him committed before the season. Wisconsin thought that they might have gotten him late in the season. And yet he never said yes to Wisconsin at any of those points. Nebraska has maintained a great relationship with him. And I think that one of the things that you can take away from a recruitment like Caden Johnson's or Wandale Robinson's or Turner Corcoran's is when Nebraska has success with some of these high-end guys, you know, Keyshawn Green was a whirlwind. Caden Johnson was a marathon and the endurance and the effort that Nebraska has displayed in this recruitment and just continuing to be there and not forcing him or, you know, trying to put him on the spot. I think both Wisconsin and Minnesota might've ran into a little bit of a situation where they tried to play the whole game of we're running out of numbers here and we want you to be a part of this class, but you might not have an option with us anymore. Kids are smart enough to realize that if you want them, you want them. Nebraska wants them. I think he's known that Nebraska wants him. I think he knows that Nebraska might need him. And I think he sees a good fit there. I I like Nebraska to pull in this commitment on Wednesday, get the signature. He's announcing 745 in the morning on Wednesday. Signing day could kick off with a bang right away for the Huskers. So I I like where they're sitting there. I think that he is a, uh, a talented kid. And I would be really excited to see what he can do in this defense as well. Brian, what do you think of Caden Johnson when you've had a chance to either read about him, his recruitment, or even just watch some highlights from time to time? When I watch him, I think he's a little more ready-made than other guys. He just feels like he's more polished as a player. And, um, I mean, he, he's come to a spot where I think there's a very open door 
for guys to play right off the bat. I mean, I think Nick Henrich would have had that opportunity last year, if not for the injury. And so, you know, if you're a guy like Caden Johnson, um, you're looking at the situation and you're thinking, that's a place where I can, I can help out pronto, you know, like I, I can be on the scene and I can make a difference right away. And I think that's appealing to some guys. I, I think, you know, sometimes there's some kids who they want to, they want to go to Alabama or wherever the big dog is and it's already established. And there's other kids with that mindset. I'd like to be part of what establishes this thing and actually builds it up and makes it great again. And I think, uh, you know, maybe that's an appealing thing to him. So we'll see. Do you think there's anything to the idea that a kid like Caden Johnson's playing at an elite academy like Minnehaha Academy where you're – the expectation of you as an individual is to be successful. The expectation of you as an athlete is to be successful. You look at some of the guys. Jalen Suggs is going to be a great basketball player at some point. Some of the other guys that they're playing with there. There's a lot of talent there, and they have a lot of success. Do you think there's something to the idea that that mindset can carry over even when you're a freshman? Because I think about Cam Taylor Britt, and I think about him being a state champion in Alabama and a quarterback and a successful individual. His demands of his teammates are high, and I know Nebraska hasn't flipped it on the field yet, but I do feel like there's a lot of value in having those kids that have been bred out of a successful program like Minnehaha Academy is. Yeah, and I think you know this. This staff, they they t- they analyze very closely um, how guys kind of operate upstairs. Um, you know, like they're they're very interested in kind of what their mental makeup is. And basically, uh, yes, the winning mentality part, but do you really love the game? So a lot of you know some of these kids who are being going to sign on Wednesday, and I you know all the power to them, but they're just really good athletes who it, it's kind of come easy to them because they're a better athlete than the high school kids they play on the field. There's that ver- category of kids, and then there's the category of recruit who they are that, but they also just love football, and they, they want to be great at whatever they do. And it's trying to kind of differentiate between those two categories and find those kids where football is sort of life to them and, uh, and all that. And um, you know we'll see if Caden Johnson and some of these guys have that in them. But I, I know this staff spends a lot of time because um, we've heard it behind the scenes trying to figure out exactly who those kids are and if it's just truly kind of a love affair with football or not. Brunts, what do you make of Nebraska and Miles Slusher? That was a name that was hot and heavy in the month of September and then kind of disappeared when he tweeted about Oregon during an unofficial visit for the Ohio State game. Nebraska surfaces again at an in-home visit. They're one of the finalists for a decision on Wednesday afternoon, Arkansas, UCLA, Maybe he stays committed to Oregon. It doesn't seem as likely also in the mix there. Do you think the Huskers could have snuck back in on one that it looked like that had escaped at one point in time? He's kind of been the the tough one to really get a read on um, during this whole process. I mean, he, uh, like you said, kind of the the weird unofficial visit to Lincoln uh, or, or the visit to Lincoln where, you know, things seem to be trending really well for Nebraska. Then they all of a sudden weren't in the middle of the game. Um, you know, that game didn't trend like, very well either. For no, weeks, it didn't. But. It didn't scroll well either. Um, to you know the the fact that it seems like Oregon, um, you know, doesn't have much juice there. Uh, 
you know, he doesn't really, you know, seem to have if you didn't know he was committed to Oregon or was at one time, you, you wouldn't know it by looking at any of his social media stuff. So, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a hard one to predict. Um, you know, the, the Nebraska home visit was interesting. The fact that you've got Sevian Morrison in the class already uh, is a little bit more intrigue to it. It's, you know, Arkansas is close by. I, I don't know. I mean, that that, that one's going to be the, you know, kids talk about shocking the world. That one might actually be a bit of a surprise on Wednesday uh, when things are all said and done. You guys want a surprise. How about Nebraska basketball this weekend? <laughs> oh, nice segue. Yeah, that's very, very nice. How about yeah? How about what Fred Hoiberg and the boys did? Uh, really, I think if you were on the fence about Fred Hoiberg because of the way this season started and how poor Nebraska played against some bad teams, he effectively outcoached two Big Ten coaches with a shorthanded roster that already has issues with size, and they went one and one, and frankly could have went two and zero, oh, uh, and nearly stole a game at Assembly Hall against. Uh, you know, Archie Miller and his Indiana Hoosiers. How about the job of Fred Hoiberg and this basketball team without Gervais Green, who's been suspended indefinitely, to get one of these wins early in December and maybe have something they can build off of before they get back to Big Ten's play? He's such a smart offensive coach, and we already knew that with his data that it was accumulated at Iowa State and the numbers they put up there. But when you watch how it it when it's executed, how it's actually drawn up, it is really fun to watch and just the spacing it creates for guys to shoot. Obviously, you need a point guard, a trigger man who um, has that quickness, but also the control and the knowledge of where to go with the ball. And Cam Mack, I think he was he was a wild man early in the season. I mean, he was just kind of all over the place and turning it over. And Matt Painter said some really interesting stuff after Sunday's game about how he was asked about Nebraska's development. And he's like, yeah, they were they were terrible at the beginning of the year. I mean, you wa- you almost didn't want to show your team the film of Nebraska because they were that bad, and he knew his guys wouldn't take them seriously. And then Cam Mack plays a game like he did on Sunday in the win over Purdue, where he was just so in control of everything and the best guy on the court. And Nebraska did it differently on Sunday than they did on on Friday. On Friday, it was more about the ball movement and and, and all that on the offensive end. Um, Sunday, uh, Fred Hoiberg installed a few different things over a 24-hour period. They had a lot more ball screen stuff that they worked off of, and uh, they just got easy shots in kind of a way that Purdue maybe didn't expect them to attack. It's it's pretty remarkable, too. I mean, they're building this thing. You're trying to build a culture. You're trying to get guys on the same page offensively and defensively. And to, to go out and play the way that they did against Creighton, uh, you know, a week ago, to come back and play pretty well against Indiana and then just completely, you know, take it to Purdue. Uh, you know, I, I, I we've talked about it that this seems like a team that's going to be getting better and better as the year goes along. But, I mean, the the improvement that they showed and and poise too um, from playing against Creighton the way that they did to those two games. I mean, it's pretty remarkable and I think speaks to, uh, you know, the the job that Hoiberg and his staff are are doing and trying to build this thing. And, you know, you're getting minutes from Thor. You you got nine minutes from Charlie Easley. I mean, he didn't fill the stat sheet by any means, but he was there uh, and playing well. And, you know, he was a pain in the ass for uh, the harms kid. 
Yeah. I mean, he I... was just absolutely in that guy's face every time he was trying to read. It was kind of fun to watch. Like, it was refreshing in some ways. You know, with last year's issue where it felt like Nebraska never boxed out. And they have rebounding issues. But watching easily at 6-2 going against a seven foot three kid and completely pushing him out of the paint, I don't think I've seen that a whole lot of times with Nebraska. Yeah. Sorry, so, continue. But, I mean, they're, they're just getting those types of performances from guys that – you know, you would have assumed at the start of the season were maybe, you know, at best role players. And you know, I, I think they're just going to be, maybe not easily, but certainly Thor, I think is going to be a big part of what Nebraska does uh, going forward this year. I think he has to be. You know what's cool is I think, I think a lot of people obviously believe in Fred Hoiberg, and they did even last week, but they were ready to tune out this season. I think a lot of people around me, like friends and family, it's just like they're not really paying attention to this team. They know it's going to take time, and it's sort of like get back to me next year. It's was starting to take on that vibe a little bit, and over the span of about 48 hours, I think they changed that. I think they have people now, okay, I'm going to watch this thing. They're not expecting like to make the tournament or even the NIT or anything like that necessarily, but they're just expecting them to be competitive, and they're going to win a few they shouldn't. And they know that the kids are starting to buy into it. And really the thing that stuck out from Hoiberg's uh, post game the other day was he talked about Sunday morning after the trip to Omaha last week. And they had a very, very candid film session. And the thing he liked is nobody took it personally. I'm sure there were some really tough stuff said about things guys weren't doing. But everybody accepted it, took it like a man. And here they are, you know, a week later and, uh, they're, you know, they, they're going to go into the new year with a, a purpose. I think they, they should be able to win their two non-conference games to finish it out. You go in seven and six and let's see what happens. I think it's Rutgers who they start with uh, in Big Ten play again. So there's an opportunity there. So they've got a chance to really get something going. The, the, the crazy part about Big Ten basketball right now, you've got. Basically, everybody but Northwestern has a win in conference play right now. Uh, Michigan State's sitting there at 1-0. Everybody else is 1-1, with the exception of Northwestern, who's 0-1. That's what it's going to be like in this conference, night in and night out. It's going to be a tough game, but I think it's also going to be a game where Nebraska is going to have the ability to catch a team uh, and, and you know play, especially if they play the way that they did uh, in these last two games. I mean, I, I, I agree with Brian. It seemed like a lot of people I talked to about this team were kind of like, okay, you know, catch me in conference play next year when this thing uh, maybe looks a little better. But I, I think, you know, people are really going to be on board with this team if they play hard. And, and I, I think they're going to be a, a fun brand of basketball to watch. Yeah, I mean, I was one of those people. I really... Are you back in? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that I was ever fully out, but I was definitely of the mindset of this is going to be really rough to watch. I mean, that Creighton game, that first half was as bad as I could remember going back to Nebraska, Kansas, one of those years where I waited for four hours to go to a big Monday game. And then Kansas led 43 to nine at one point and 52 to 17 at half. So, uh, you know, it was, it was difficult to, to figure out like what was happening with some of these situations. But I, I just like that it shows that Fred Hoiberg is exactly the coach that we thought Nebraska was getting. Even in a year where they're bad, he absolutely drew up some great game plans. I mean, 
that play that they ran for Deshaun Burke to hit the three, I mean, that was really well done. It was well designed. When you're used to watching Nebraska over the last couple of years in the final seconds, where the only thing that would happen is a guy would dribble around and then go in for a right-handed layup, it was refreshing to see an off-the-ball setup in which you had a trailer that got the ball to hit the three on a wide-open shot. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, so I, if you can promise me that they're not necessarily going to win a bunch of games, but they're going to be competitive and there's going to be moments of fun like that, yeah, absolutely, I'm in. But when it looks like it did against Creighton, and there's going to be an elevator team, it's going to be up, it's going to be down, you're just going to have to be able to take the good with the bad. And I think that it's great for Nebraska that the fans got to see some good in these games against Indiana and Purdue. I don't know if you guys saw, but even though uh, you know Nebraska took Purdue down, uh, the Boilermakers still moved up in the AP poll this week. So uh, there's that. <laughs> well, look at that. <laughs> look at that. All right. Well, any closing thoughts before we uh, go back to our busy lives right before signing day? Uh, I don't know. I got another pot of coffee brewing. I'm ready to go. Do you think you'll sleep any more than four hours in the next two days? Uh, no, no, and certainly not consecutively. It, it's uh, just <laughs> half-hour naps from here on out. Yeah, that'll go great. <laughs> Brian, thoughts? Uh, no, I got a bowl of soup waiting me. I made some soup, so uh, that's that's what is ahead of me. That's that's all the excitement I have. Well, like a tawny? No, it's like a tortellini and sausage soup that uh, is my is my mom's recipe. I nailed it, though. All right. Pots of coffee and bowls of soup. You're listening to the Husker 24-7 podcast. We'll catch you again after signing day.